You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Um, so just real quick, I'm just going to mention uh, the second testimony comes from our prayer night um, with Adam and Lacey, Arleano. And their, uh, their ministry that they have, taking these foster babies and loving on them. And if you were there, I mean, how awesome was that? How awesome was that? That was amazing. And there is fruit. There's immediate fruit for you, just like there was in Eliza's story. There's immediate fruit that I need to share with you. There's no more gray area. There's no more hoping that there's fruit. I'm telling you, there was fruit from that night. And we're going to share that. Uh, But I I just want to, one, I want to thank you for being there, those that could be there. Um, What what has been established in that home and over those, they, they do not, they have not been anointed for an easy thing. But they, with joy, walk into it. I'm telling you, I, we know this family, and so we hear about when these foster babies are taken from them and just the heartbreak that they encounter, just devastation that they encounter, having to lose these babies that they've given their hearts to completely. They don't withhold anything from these children. They give everything that they have to these children. But still, the Lord picks them up. He makes them stronger. He grows them deeper. And even when they've said, no, we're not doing this anymore, the Lord brings a child to them, and they're like, okay, we'll do one more. And that's been their mentality the whole time. Okay, just one more. Just one more. And they keep doing it. And they have found themselves in such a beautiful place of ministry, something I'm telling you right now, I could not do. Not been an, you have to be anointed for that. That is not something that just is a good idea and you step into because it will destroy you. And so just to be a part of their story for any period of time, to be a part of these giants in the kingdom of heaven that are, that are leading the charge and then literally saving a generation, what an honor. And the Lord told me when we were, when we were praying, and this is something, he's expanding my mind and I hope he's doing the same for you, but in this time he's expanding what I can pray for. And he was asking me the whole time we were sitting there, he said, pray for what you cannot comprehend. So I just sat with him and I let him begin to give me dreams. Dreams that I've never thought to be possible. That this girl, this little baby, would, when, when she can begin to speak, would begin to give testimony of how the Lord has met with her, how she knows King Jesus already better than most adults because she knows this man. He's established her already and she's still, still a toddler when she can begin to speak and articulate and give testimony of what she's already encountered. That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like a possible thing in our, in our frame of thinking. Or that she could, she could go into a place, this, this four-month-old baby and people that are, that are hurting and, or depressed or need, or need freedom or need healing could receive it because the presence of God is so saturated over her. Because the children of God have anointed her for that and prayed it over her that the Spirit would just overflow out of this child. Man, they were just, he was just challenging me to dream big dreams. Dream, 
dreams that you cannot comprehend. And he reminded me last Sunday, uh, last Sunday night in our prayer time, uh, there's a band, and I'll, I'll speak to this, the testimony of how they got this name. But there's a band called We the Kingdom. And the Lord hit me with that like a freight train. Just that, those three words. He said, We the Kingdom. And I felt power in that. I felt there's this, He's awakening us to this authority that we have because we make up the Kingdom. We are the kingdom. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about one another. We are the kingdom of God. We make it up. We, the kingdom. And that's how we got to begin to identify uh, one another, is that we, the kingdom. And Friday night, that, that's what that looks like. When we prayed over Eliza, that's what the kingdom looks like. That's what we, the kingdom, look like. Friday night, that's what we, the kingdom, look like. And he hit me with this. Friday night, as we were, we were standing in the, I was just standing in the kitchen. There were, ladies were talking and um, just talking about this baby and some of the stuff that they've been going through. And the Lord just reminded me real quick that your children saw that. Other children saw that. Our children saw that. They saw action. Our children saw the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. They are creation, and creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. That includes them. That includes them. And he started bringing this, this point to mind that our kids will live according to what they are taught and what they see. And it's so funny, because the Lord just confirmed this in me today. I was watching a video just on TikTok, of all places. Um, not a Christian man that was sharing this fact that if you, you can talk to your kids till they're blue in the face, till you're blue in the face. You can talk their ear off about the way they should live, the way they should go. No guarantee that that's where they'll go. But the way you live, they will mimic that. They will mimic the way that they see you live. I'm like, this guy's not Christian. And he's, he's, he's telling me my sermon that I'm about to go preach. It can't get any clearer than that. This man that does not know God is telling me about what God has just revealed to me for the sons and daughters of God. That our children will reflect the way we live. So they will either follow in action, like Friday night, and two Sundays ago, three Sundays ago, or they will follow in inaction. And they have seen an inactive people. We got to take a little bit of ownership on this. I had to take ownership on this. My children have seen an inactive father. Not in the sense that I don't pursue them or love them or uh, am with them, but I, there have been moments where it's me, 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 what the Lord has for me and what is going on in my story, me personally, what I need to do, what I need to accomplish, and it has nothing to do with the Lord. And my, my boys saw that. They saw that. They saw moments where I, I wasn't reflecting the King Jesus that I teach them about. And it was powerful for me. They, they've, they've seen me get frustrated over silly things. And then I've seen them get frustrated over silly things. And I'll sit there and get mad. I don't know why he's losing his temper over that. I'm like, dude, 
You taught him how to do that. You showed him. And the Lord has just hit me in the face with this stark reality that they will reflect what they have seen. And up to this point in our story, I'm talking about as a whole, not just here, but I'm talking about across the nation, they have seen an inactive people of God. They have seen a people of God that have toiled with their best ideas, trying to establish God in their own image. They've seen that up to this point. But it's also this this beautiful time that we live in that they are now getting to experience black and white. There's no more gray. They're getting to see people that are of God and people that are not of God, and that's it, period. And there's this new generation that's coming from the people that know God. There's, there's these little kids, these four-year-olds, these two-year-olds. Jay's got three little monsters at home that will always know who the Lord created them to be. Never a day will they, will they not know that because their parents will speak it over them and the, the way their parents live will reflect that identity that the Lord has given them. So we're talking about a generation of kids that now have the opportunity to never walk in a false identity. We are in unprecedented times and unprecedented days, and it is time for a generation to see an active people of God. Turn to Judges 2, verse 10, or don't, it will be on the screen. I've I've mentioned this before. This is funny because this was actually the first sermon I ever preached in this house. Um, The first time I had come to answer the call to be youth pastor here, I preached on this passage. And we won't read the whole of uh, chapter 2. We'll just read verse 10. And all of that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. There's an entire generation that has experienced the mightiness of God, the grandeur of God, the power of God. And then right after that arose a generation that did not know the Lord. It was that easy. It was that simple. And I know that generation probably didn't realize what they were doing, but they did not talk. They did not give testimony of what the Lord was doing and what He had done. So He did that thing, and I'm just going to go on about my business. And because of that, arose a generation that did not know the Lord. An entire generation. It went from light to dark like that. It is that simple. And it is simple as the people of God not becoming active in what the Lord has called them into, that an entire generation and generations after that will not know the Lord. And we are seeing the fruits of that. Randy meets with the fruit of that generation that does not know the Lord regularly. And those kids are having kids. And those kids now are having kids. We're three generations, four or five generations in to people that have not known light. We're we're sometimes meeting with people that have had identities passed to them that have been established in the kingdom of darkness for hundreds of years. Because you can look back at their story and you're like, this identity is everywhere. They didn't have a choice. They breathed life into, into their lungs for the first time, and they also breathed in this identity. It was just a matter of time before they signed their name on that contract that this is who they are, but it was going to happen no matter what. And we're, we're, so we've been living on the defense for a very long time, 
having to fix what has been so long broken. But now we're at this tipping point. We're at this moment in the story where it can start to become the children of God not working on, in a defensive position only, but going on the offense, charging forward, establishing generations in light. The kingdom of God is multi-generational. Yeah? Amen? The kingdom of God is not just established for one. We see that, though, a mentality in Judges 2 that it was established for us. And he did this for us. And that's where it ended. And we see the testimony of that passage today. How often have we gone to church, heard a word that impacted us, and then we didn't open our mouths about it till we got to church again the next Sunday? I've done that dozens of times. Man, the Lord changed me. He impacted me on this Sunday. He spoke truth right at me. And now I'm just going to box it up, nice little package. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to allow what he's changed in me to have any fruit. I'm not going to allow it to overflow out of me. I'm going to push it down. I'm going to keep it for myself, seal it up, and I'll, I'll open it on a rainy day when I'm bored or something. That's how we've gone to church. That's how I've gone to church for a long, long time. And I've sat with Randy, and we've talked about things that we were taught, and we thought, oh, we've, we've got that figured out, and realized that we weren't even close to what the Lord was actually saying. But it was things that we heard Sunday, we packed it away, we didn't, we didn't use it. And because of this inactivity, we had no need to call on the truth of God or actually know if we know truth or not. And so I looked at Judges 2, verse 10, and I heard the Lord say, but you have the Spirit of God. You don't have to wait for me on a mountaintop to appear. You don't have to hope that I impact you on the road and reveal myself to you and blind you with my glory. You have the Spirit of God that you can live each and every one of your days with Him. And if we're listening to Him, He can show us the steps that we need to take to save a generation and to establish a generation in the kingdom of heaven. And He has made us aware, church. He's given us steps to take. And he keeps giving us steps. Friday night was a step to take to establish the kingdom of heaven in a generation. And so now this, this testimony of this band. I was just, I couldn't get we the kingdom out of my head. And I didn't know, what, I don't know where that came from. I didn't know, I wanted to know why we the kingdom. Was it just something catchy? Like, oh man, that'll sell because that's, that's a thing in the Christian world, and we know that. But So I started reading about how they came to this name. And this, the guy that, uh, one of the lead singers in this band, uh, he's actually the guy that wrote How Great Is Our God. We've been singing that for a long time. And then I started looking at all the songs that he's written. Um, I'm like, okay, this dude, uh, this dude's good. But he started sharing this dream, this dream to worship Jesus, just in whatever capacity the Lord would allow him to do it. He just wanted to worship Jesus. And so this band is full of two of his kids, his brother, and then their best friend. That makes up this band. And he said as they were, 
And they were just, they got together to lead a conference. He just needed musicians. They got together and they led this conference. And as they sat down to write a song for this conference, they started to see what the Lord was doing in this group. And he said, I established a dream in you, a desire to worship me. And that was established in generations that had not yet come. And now you're seeing that dream that was in you, birthed in you, reflecting in your, in your children. And he said, so, and so he starts to articulate what it is to be the kingdom of God. That it is a multi-generational kingdom. It exists across time and space. And the things that he does in us will grow in the generation to come. The dreams that he has for us, we talked about this, the promises that we'll see from afar. We read this last week in Hebrews 11, that we'll see from afar, that we'll greet from afar. We'll experience some of it, but maybe we won't experience all of it. And we got to understand that's okay with some of those promises. Abraham was told that his, his children would outnumber the stars in the sky. Like he, he knew he was not going to see the fullness of that before he left this earth. But he could greet it because he, he saw the start of it. But because he lived focused on it, generations to come walked in it and experienced it for themselves. Promises greeted from afar. The kingdom is multi-generational and the dreams that he is putting in us and establishing in us we'll get to see in the generations to come, the generations that are growing up now, if we'll walk in them if we will be people of action and not people that simply receive and go on about our day. We cannot afford that anymore. Look at what we had to do Friday. Think about the situation of that. And I'm grateful that he sent us. But he had to send us into, into that. That's what we got sent into. Think of what we had to anoint and cover Eliza in because of what he knew she was going to get sent into. There's no time to waste. No time to waste. The children of God cannot be inactive anymore. And I'm telling you right now, I want to labor alongside my children. I want the dreams that the Lord establishes in me to grow in them, that I would labor alongside them in my life, but that also long after I'm gone, that they would continue to labor with the Lord. And that when I leave, I know that they will not walk away. They are established in him because I've been able to labor alongside them. But we have to recognize too. And go ahead and go to Ecclesiastes 3. This is a common passage. We know this passage. But the first word that the Lord had for this morning is that we got to recognize that we are the kingdom. We the kingdom. We've got to take ownership of that. And the second thing is that our kids will live according to what they see and how they see the children of God living now. And they will live according to that. Either they're alongside of us uh, in activity, or not, not just activity, but being active. Because we're not just trying to be an activity full church. We're, just, we're trying to be an obedient church. And then this third one is that we have to recognize, the Lord hit me with this yesterday, we have to recognize that there is an end to the season that we're in. And there's joy in that. There's a lot of craziness going on. But there is an end to this. 
But at the same time, there's a real heaviness that hits me because the world has been prepped to receive God in this season. And there is a time, there is a, there is a time where, where gray will start to filter itself back in. We've got people right now that are holding on to what used to be, right? I love football season. I love it. You ask my wife. The fall, favorite time of the year. You got Thanksgiving and Christmas and football all together. It doesn't get any better. It cools off a little bit. It's nice. I love the fall. There are people that are holding on to things like that that used to be routine, hoping that in their holding on to that, things will go back to the way they were. But we, for a long time, have been singing, I won't go back. And I'm telling you, what's waiting there in the normalcy of what used to be is complacency in what was. That I can, I can just do the routine. I can go to church. I can see my friends. I can go on about my business. And life will get easy again. Lord don't want that. And the Lord has called us out. And you've already said yes several times. I, I, don't, I tricked you, some of them, and some of them you just walked in on your own. But you've already said yes to a lot of the things he's called you into. He's going to hold you to that. You've said yes. So when things start to filter into gray, will the children of God still be made known to creation? Or will they filter back to where creation is eagerly waiting for their revealing again? We're in this time. We've got to recognize that there is an end to this harvest. Harvest season has an end. We know that well in this community. Harvest season has an end. We are in a harvest season where people, and the Lord said this, the sons and daughters, the prodigal sons and daughters are seeking to return home, but they have to be met. We can't wait for them to show up on the doorstep. We have been called to run out and meet them. But that time will end. And if we don't run out to meet them, don't expect them to show up on the doorstep. They will not. And they will continue to live with a slave mentality. They will continue to live believing that they are less than. They will continue to live a life that produces fruit that is not of God. If the children of God in this season are inactive. Ecclesiastes 1, for everything, or 3, verse 1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. Time to break down and time to build up. Time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to gather together stones. A time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Time to love and a time to hate time for war and a time for peace. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. There is no rewind button and there's no fast forward button. We don't get to do this over again if we miss it. And I, this has been something that I've dealt with for a long time that I would miss out on what the Lord had for me. Oh man, it would keep me up at night that I could miss what he has because I refuse to remain in the will of God. And I'd, that's a scary thing that you could end a, end a season and look back and realize I missed it. 
that terrifies me. That keeps, that keeps me up at night, still to this day, that I could look back and say, I've missed it. And not that it would drive me, the fear would drive me, but it's a very sobering and humbling fear that if I do not remain in as he has called me to remain in, I will miss it. If I do not walk in the will of God as he has called me to walk in the will of God, I will miss it. But now there's a little more severity to that because he's called me to shepherd a body of people. And if the shepherd isn't going the right direction, it's going to be hard for y'all to. Now, there's a lot of people in here that don't need me to walk with the Lord, but I definitely won't be helping the situation if I'm contradicting what the Lord is telling you. That's not a place we want to be in. But these days will come to an end. And at the end of them, we will either find ourselves, we will either find ourselves standing alongside the Father or standing against Him. And our decision will place our kids there alongside of us. Our decision in this time will place a generation next to us our decision to walk with him and co-labor with him or to stand against, refusing to move. And we will be burned in the fire, but we will not be alone. That's terrifying to me. Not because I believe that that would be the reality of our church, but because I'm already seeing that be the reality of people around me. I'm seeing people actually stand against what the Lord is trying to do. And that's terrifying. Because there's kids involved in that too. That breaks my heart. So we have, as a house, we have to recognize that that is the world that we are in. People are actively standing against what the Lord is trying to do. So there is no, there's no time for us to be inactive. And like Adam and Lacey, they are actively engaging in what the Lord has, actively pursuing what the Lord has for them. And they're actively ministering. And they have chosen to love these that are thrown out. They've chosen to love these that have been discarded by our society. Even the organization that's supposed to help them has discarded them in a a sense. Uh, And so I need you to hear the testimony um, of what was sent, sent to Amy and then shared with me um, this morning of, of that Friday. So uh, this is the message to Amy. Amy, we wanted to write y'all and just say thank you so much for yesterday. If you can pr- pass this message along to Pastor Parker in the church slash prayer group, we'd be so thankful from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you so much for being obedient in the Lord and coming to pray for his precious baby we have. The eternal impact that all of your prayers have had on her will go with her as she grows. This is eternal. Amen? Amen. But as we were praying, Lacey, sitting there holding this baby, received a vision. I'm going to share with you this vision. This is from Lacey. I see an army. An army of believers gathered around a precious baby, fearless in protecting her. Those who are here are suited up, ready for battle, a spiritual battle. They have come equipped to give of themselves to save and protect the hurting. 
I see a massive sword being plummeted into the ground. The ground breaking has caused a huge earthquake, like a wave. And that earthquake will reach out for many and many generations to see. The effect of your prayers on her life will be in effect for decades to come. It will reach one person, another after another to another, and so on. It will be felt among generations to come more than you can fathom. She heard the Lord in this moment after he gave her this vision. And the Lord said to her, I have stirred something up in you. And this is for us. I have stirred something up in you. It is what you are meant for. What mighty things I have planned for this church. It has been in the works for a long time. And many of you have prayed for this. And I have equipped you for this. It is time. Dude, that's from the Lord. And that's, he's speaking that to people that don't, they don't go to church here. They don't know what the Lord is doing here. They just got to encounter a moment of this house. Of the people that meet in this house, they just got to encounter a little bit. And that's what the Lord said. It is time. And you are meant for this time. And it is time. We've got things in the work, church, but I'm telling you right now, it is time. There are generations attached to us, but it is time for us to receive this fact that we, the kingdom, and we've got to walk each and every day in that reality that we are the kingdom. Not the kingdom, the kingdom. And I want you to reflect on the power that was in that vision. That the Spirit of God through His children, His faithful children, plunged a sword into the ground that generations that have yet to be that only exist in the heart of God will feel it. Because of faithfulness of a few to go and pray over one. That's the days we're in. That's exciting for me. Because every moment of obedience carries that impact. Because if we see the enemy moving with such urgency, we've got to recognize that God is moving with more. And the enemy is scrambling, trying to figure out a way to stop it. I've never met anybody that was really good at stopping an earthquake. He's not either. He cannot stop what is coming. If the children of God remain revealed to all creation, walking faithfully to what the Lord has revealed for them to do. You've established someone that's not even in our state that is establishing the kingdom in a place that we have never been to. There is greatness in this room. There is greatness in this house. Every one of you have been anointed for mighty things. Powerful things. Amazing, uncomprehendable things. I'm telling you, that, that vision right there is uncomprehendable. That because we met in a house and prayed over a little girl, that generations that have yet to come will know of Jesus and feel the effects of that one meeting. I can't fathom that. But the Lord has said to dream big dreams. Pray for things that you cannot comprehend because that's what He's in the business of doing now. He's taking us deeper. Deeper and deeper into places that we have yet to read in here. 
They're not written on these pages, the things in depths of God that we're going to get to go. They ran out of room. But that's the beauty of walking with the Spirit of God all the days of your life. He will lead you into things that you cannot fathom, in depths that have yet to be talked about, pieces of His heart that have yet to be discovered. We've got to believe that that's there. We don't know everything about God. Not even close. And there are depths of His heart that He wants to lead this house into because no one else has encountered them. That's awesome. But children of God, we have got to walk eagerly and with urgency in what the Lord is doing. Um, I didn't know I was going to share this word until about halfway through Parker's sermon. Um, But the spirit moving in concert was just too strong. And as he continued to speak, the, like, the spirit on my skin got more intense. Um, but also the like, thought, no, we're, we're going to just sing. We're going to go. Like, that wrestling match got more intense, more intense, until it was like, okay, I'm totally not prepared. But I'm going to deliver this anyway because I can feel the spirit of the Lord on me this morning. Um, <clears throat> Oh, and I'll get to the, I'm going to do the lead up and then I will read the scripture in a second. And then I've got some things to show you out of this scripture, why I see it the way that I see it and what the Lord has to share out of it. But um, I was on a run um, Friday morning and there's a scripture, a scripture that we were going to read that I have long thought has been mistaught. Every time I've heard this spoke on, I've just disagreed with what it shared, because it didn't jive at all with what I knew of the miracles Jesus performed in association with the faith that people had, those that received those miracles, and in association with God's nature, who we knew him to be, know him to be, and who he will continue to be. I just couldn't ever make these things continue. And as I was running, revelation came so strongly about, in in a prophetic way, that I stopped running and almost called Parker and said, I need to preach on Sunday. But as, as I began to make that call, I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going to make this call. I'm actually going to research and see if I can share what I want to share because it's, been in su- it's in such disagreement with what I have heard taught in other places or even read in commentaries on this verse. Um, and so... I read a little bit more, and the more I read, the more I read the verse and what was around it, the, the more the, the assurance of the Lord that, that I was hearing him correctly and understanding him, what he wanted to speak prophetically, uh, was resolved, but I also was not allowed to make the call to Parker. It's really interesting how the Spirit moves. Um, I got to go also, this is the second part of the lead into the Word, I got to... Um, go on Friday night, and Carrie and I took turns going in. Uh, We had the girls strapped in the van watching Shrek, and uh, because they just weren't in a state to go in that place, they would have been a distraction, or or we would have brought them in. But Carrie went in at first and prayed, and then I came in after. And it was really interesting, because as I prayed, it was out of these things that the Lord had been showing uh, earlier in the day, but there was a phrase that came out of my mouth that I don't know that I've ever uttered. Um, And that phrase was, I prophesy. And I shared that with Carrie. 
after I left, and she said, you mean like I am, like the Lord speaking through you, prophesying? And I said, no. Like I, Jay Winfrey, son of God in authority, prophesy. That was when Parker said the word authority, it was what peaked my ears this morning and gave me an inclination that I was supposed to speak this same word to you guys. And this morning I stand in that authority and I prophesy over you that which the Lord has to speak. It is an image that we need to understand. It is a prophetic vision of not just the kingdom of God, but all those that walk the earth. And um, and we need to embrace who we are in this picture because it has, like Parker has been saying, eternal impact. Um, so let's turn to Mark chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading in verse 22. I'll give you a second to get there. Sarah's also getting there because this is a sneak attack. Um, Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And he comes to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him what he saw. And this is the, this is the verse. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. It's very interesting. What I, the most common thing that I've read in commentary or heard taught is that it was some shortfall in the man's faith in the healing. That's, that's what I had heard, but that it does not jive at all with anything that we read throughout the gospel. We know from our moment of salvation that God's ability to work and transform us has no bearing on our faith for him to do it. I mean, even the fact that we were saved was a gift to us, right? We weren't saved by our own faith. It tells us the Spirit gives us faith to be saved. So as he moves upon us, bringing that conviction of sin, that recognition that we need a Savior, that we need transformation, he also supplies the faith. And we also read in any, of any miracle Jesus did, according to your faith, let it be done. But so many of those, I don't really think that they had faith that they could see again. Maybe they had faith that he could do something amazing to change their life. But it also tells us in the New Testament that he is able to do more than we could ask or dream. And that he wants to. And it's interesting about faith. Because I, I want to have faith beyond my imagination, but it's, it's a difficult thing. I, I want to have faith in association with what I understand and know God to be. But even that falls short of who he is. Every step that he has brought me, everything that he has taught me, done in my life, I understand God to a greater degree. He is greater in love. He is greater in mercy. He is greater in wisdom. He is greater in power than anything that I have experienced to that point. But my faith is in conjunction with that knowledge, and he is always more. And he is always working in our life from the place of more. 
So my faith doesn't limit his working in my life. So that teaching that the man somehow lacked in faith in that moment is false. It is completely wrong. The second thing that I know of God is that he does all things in completion. That's what the second thing that doesn't jive here. God does all things fully complete. When he thought of you in the beginning of days, when we were still in Christ Jesus before the earth was made, everything you need for your life was portioned in that moment. Everything you need to work in his kingdom as the kingdom, not just like the food we need. That's, you know, that's Matthew 6. Don't, don't worry about that. I'll feed you. Look at the flowers. Well, we're talking about supernatural provision to administer his supernatural power. All of that was thought of, made, and associated with you in that moment in Christ so that it can be released on the earth at its particular moment. God has all things in completion. So we look at this moment where Jesus is spit in this man's eyes, and he says to Jesus, when Jesus asks, what do you see? Jesus knows the answer he's going to get. The answer wasn't a surprise to him. And if it wasn't a surprise, then we have to think that what the man saw was intentional. There's something we have to understand about our Father and about His working in our life. It says it throughout the New Testament, but by Jesus' mouth in John 24, it tells us that God is a spirit. He's not a man that He should lie. He doesn't take bodily form. God the Father is a spirit. Therefore, everything that is administered unto the earth through Him is accomplished in spirit first. Jesus, many times doing miracles, says, rise, take up your bed, your sins are forgiven. It's interesting, and there was always such pushback against that statement. But the reason why he said that is that was the spiritual work that was done first the forgiving of sins, and then the manifestation and healing. It was always the spiritual work that was done first. And anything he did that was given to him, you know, John chapter 5, anything he did, he did because he saw in spirit. Anything he said, he said because he heard in spirit. Therefore, everything that was done on earth by Jesus was done in the spirit first and accomplished in spirit first. And it's the same in our life. Everything that God would have do, God would do through us, He is accomplishing in the Spirit as we obey. Everything that He has done in our life, He accomplishes it in the Spirit before we see it manifest in the earth. So now we have a new lens to look at Matthew 8, verse 24. I see men as trees walking. I also want to back up before, I want to back up and do a little context also. Sorry, I'm not trying to beleaguer the point, but it is so important that we see and understand what is happening in this moment. Let's, first, let's back up to Mark 8, 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in their ship with them, and, 
And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye, because you have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither, and understand. Have ye your heart been yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do you not remember when I break the five loaves among five thousand and many baskets full of fragments take ye up? Then say unto him, and then they ask him, how many did you take up? And they say unto him, twelve. And when when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. And he said unto them, how is it that you do not understand? We've been taught very well about the performance of these miracles, of the feeding of the 4,000 men and the 5,000 men and their families. How were those miracles administered? At the hands of the disciples. As they're handing it out. And it was done in abundance through Christ Jesus by their hand. And he's asking them, do you not yet see? You have eyes, but do you not yet see? You have ears, but do you not yet hear? And then we come to Bethsaida. And he's showing the disciples a spiritual vision that they have not yet been able to see. He used a blind man to open their eyes. And he's doing the same to us today. He's using a blind man to open our eyes so that we would see that we are trees walking. Everywhere we go, We are trees walking. Why is that important? Why does that matter at all that we understand ourselves to be trees? First off, let's talk about the symbol. God never contradicts his symbols. Let's read Psalm 1, verse 4. He uses this image, this symbol of a tree, to describe his own son. Actually, verse 3, sorry. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. There we have it established that a tree is going to be a continuous symbol of the bearing of fruit. But then there's something interesting that happens in the New Testament. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We learn something new about trees. We learn that they will bear fruit And in Matthew chapter 7, we learn something new. Even so, this is verse 17. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. We learn that the symbol is consistent But we also learn that that tree will bear fruit no matter what. We will either bear fruit that is good, or we will bear fruit that is evil. There's no black and white anymore. We've heard that message consistently from this pulpit, and we know it to be true from our life experience. There is no black and white. I mean, there is no gray anymore. It is only black and white. We will bear fruit that is good, unto eternity, or we will bear fruit that is evil that will be consumed. 
The problem with evil fruit, though, is that it corrupts and it gets eaten by those we hand it to, to our children, to those around us. And I guarantee you, church, that even though you know Jesus, the type of fruit you bear is not determined by that. You will bear fruit, and even though you are saved, you can bear corrupt fruit. What makes the difference? It's the water that we draw from. If we draw water from our apathy, we will be poison to those around us. Because most people know whether you're a Christian or not. It's not, it's not something that we keep hidden. And it's not something that you really can hidden, keep hidden. When the light is lit, it shines. It's something that people know about you. And then they see us living a life of apathy. That is poison. That is poison. It is corrupt fruit. But the thing about us as trees, as the kingdom, what are we supposed to be? What is the fruit that we bear supposed to be? Let's turn to Revelation 22. Let's read this scripture. Because it sets the scale of what is supposed to happen when we draw water from the spring of waters whose waters fail not, being the Holy Spirit in our life. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life which bared twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That tree of life is a picture of Jesus and is moving through us. We are in him, and when we walk in his spirit, drawing from that crystal clear water every day, listening, obeying what he says, or speaking what he says, obeying what he says do, the fruit of our life is healing for the nations. It is a balm to those who hurt. It is transformation and light to those in darkness. And I tell you this morning, and I prophesy over you this picture, I see men and women as trees walking. The thing about this vision and this prophecy is it's not mine to determine the fruit you bear. I am only to prophetically tell you that you are trees. I see you. The Holy Spirit, your Father, sees you through my eyes this morning. I don't know how that works or why I get to say that, but I do. He is looking at you and seeing you. And he is saying, I see men and women as trees walking. 
And his prayer over you this morning is that you would draw every day from that crystal clear water. From that well of the Holy Spirit within you. And it would cause you to be obedient in all that he gives you. Because you are the kingdom. You are the fruit that is healing to the nations. That is what you're called to be. That's why you were transformed. That's why you were saved. But he sees you this morning. You are men and women as trees walking. Father God, I thank you that you bring this vision. You bring the testimony. You bring the words. And I thank you that you have given us authority as your as your children, to speak with authority that which you have given us. I pray that this week we first answer that question for ourselves. What kind of tree am I? What am I watered by? And what fruit will I bear? Only each one of us can make that decision, Lord, and I pray that we take that time with you in the Holy Spirit, to answer it and to be resolved once and for all. And I pray that once that decision is made, that the fruit comes fast. That it touches all those around us, that it transforms our neighborhoods, it transforms our neighbors, it transforms our cities, our workplaces, that we would be men and women as trees walking bearing the fruit of the kingdom. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that all things that are done in this house this morning and that we carry out with us are accomplished by you and accomplished in the name of Jesus through the love of the Father. And in all of those, we pray and we say amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.